Welcome, you're listening to A Little Podcasting with Fiona Gopin, Principal Consultant from Little Things Consulting in Launceston, Tasmania. Fiona also has with her her Black Rescue Cat Annie. Ciao everyone, it's uh, Fiona and Annie here. Welcome to episode two, So You Want to Be a Manager. We're going to talk about what it's like to become a manager and whether you've really considered all the ins and outs of what that means. I have always wanted to be a manager since I was very young. I I think I always expected that one day I would have an important role in a a service or an organization. And I, I remember my very first job at Pixie Photos at 18 years of age. And I remember that the state manager looked to me as someone that they saw as potential future management. How excited I was when that information got back to me. I was like, yeah, yeah, because I know my current manager, she's, you know, probably ready for retirement. Look, she was probably only about 50 at the time, but at the time I was so young, I saw, <laughs> you always think people are older than what they are. And I remember feeling really excited and, and wanting to be a, a manager, even at such a young age. And it was great to be identified as someone with leadership potential. And every job I've had since that time, I've always looked at what what the next step is. Where am I going next? How can I improve? And what's the next position for me to move into? Unfortunately, what that's always meant is that I've always worked so hard and continue to improve not only my knowledge and my skills, I've ended up in higher positions at an earlier time than most people. I think it is great to be a young manager. However, one of the downsides is that you're not as respected as someone who is older and who looks like they've had the life experience, regardless of whether they're a good manager or whether they're a bad manager. And I haven't had the best role models when it comes to management. And I've had some pretty horrific managers and I've been overlooked for positions where I knew I had the skills and experience to do the job and it was given to someone who did have many more years in a management role than I. However, I disagree that years equals good management. I think that you need to have the people skills to be a good manager and it's not always about the amount of time that you've been in management or the amount of years you've been on this earth that make you a good manager. I've seen pre- plenty of managers long-term that have been quite toxic. Oh, Annie, did you want to say something, sweetie? Oh, yes, I know. It's lovely having mummy home. I appreciate being home with you too. Yes, I know, sweetie. I wasn't very present at home when I was a manager, was I, darling? And I was angry all the time. So maybe I should have listened to this kind of a podcast before I took on a management role. When you want to become a manager, you need to consider a lot of things. And for me, it was something that I always wanted. I was working towards higher positions, as I've said. I did further study in management and leadership after being overlooked for a role because I didn't have the actual qualifications, even though I had some experience. So further study led me to a trajectory that meant I was going to be an expert in management and leadership, both academically and skill-wise. However, life never goes as planned, does it? And getting breast cancer changed everything. 
It changed what I wanted in a career and it changed what I wanted in life. I no longer wanted a demanding high level job with lots of responsibility. I wanted to just have a lot more fun in my life and enjoy myself and not send myself to an early grave by having a heart attack from all the stress of being a manager. What that meant for me was that I decided when I returned to work after treatment, after 12 months off and treatment, that I wanted to work for myself. And I have always worked towards being someone who works for themselves. Even at um, 18, I was doing freelance photography. Um, I've always wanted to be my own boss. And I've never really taken the time to pursue it because I've always been scared to not commit to having a regular income. So cancer changed that for me. And when I returned to work, I returned to work part-time and I was hoping to build up my business and then work for myself. However, what happened was I had a carrot dangled in front of me, we'll call it. I had a position dangled in front of me that I never ever thought would become available and certainly never be put on a silver platter to me in any way, shape or form. It was a position I'd always aspired to having prior to having cancer. So it was something that I applied for very last minute, high level management position. And I decided that if I didn't take this position that I would regret it. I was successful and I did take that position. What I didn't realize is that as an individual, I had changed so much. I no longer wanted to be someone of authority. I realized I no longer wanted to be the person that had to make all the decisions, that had all the responsibility. I just didn't want that stress. And I think that's something for me that I didn't fully consider before moving into management. I didn't consider how much I'd changed from when I actually wanted to be a manager. But today's not about me. I just wanted to give you a bit of an example of where I'm at as as an individual and why I guess it's led to me doing talking about this topic of wanting to be a manager and needing to consider some of those ins and outs. So let's talk about some of the pros and cons of being a manager. And I think people who are attracted to management for a range of reasons. Some people like the challenge, some people like the status, some people like the money, do it for the career progression or the power of being a manager, having that level of responsibility and decision-making. And although these things are all positives when it comes to being a manager, I think it's important to consider the consequences because, you know, like I've talked about earlier on in the podcast was that for me, when I climbed to the top, I realized I was terrified of heights. Yet management can provide that real challenge that I think some people are looking for. And I know definitely that was certainly something I needed and why I was moving towards management. You know, I get bored very easily and I knew that in a management role, I would get that adrenaline rush and get to use my brain and my skills that I wasn't getting in a lower level position. I didn't like having to constantly check with other people to do something. I liked the idea of, right, if something needed to be done, I could get on with it and I could do it. And that was what I loved about management. I'd also have to say it's that excitement too. The excitement of being a manager, the status and the, the ego boost that you get from saying, I'm the manager of so-and-so. I think it makes you feel important. And I think that's, me personally, I like to feel important. I like to know that I have some level of value and that I'm contributing at a high level. Some people get into management for the money. It is higher higher income, you can earn more in a management role and money is great. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. However, I think it's, yes, you get paid more, 
but you also need to consider the level of work that it's expected of you and the level of stress and personal cost benefit analysis is important to do you know is it worth skipping out on time with your family whether physically or emotionally to be a manager is it worth that extra money I have to say for me it wasn't I might have been bored on a daily basis when I wasn't a manager but I also didn't have the level of stress that came with the responsibility and the constant level of being on So that's what I'd like to talk about now is the cons and that always being on is one of the biggest things that I think I hated. And when I talk about being on, I mean not just physically but emotionally and mentally, you know, constantly thinking about what's happening the next day at work, what happened today at work, what decisions need to be made, what work needs to be done. And I'd have to say that was certainly one of the biggest cons for me was that I just couldn't switch off no matter how hard I tried. You know, I didn't sleep properly. I worked back. I was taking work home. I was skipping lunches, was coming in early just to try and catch up. I remember saying I would have done anything to be in a job where I didn't have the level of responsibility and that I could actually be bored again because there was no downtime. There was no five minutes to take a breather. I think making decisions comes with part of that level of stress and making tough decisions that are good for an organization or good for a business but can harm an individual that is part of that business or organization I think they're some of the stressful decisions that you need to make and I think that's where psychopaths do really well in management because they don't give a shit about other people and so they can make those ruthless decisions and you know push people off a cliff if they have to I think reporting to a board as a a top manager is really difficult and really stressful because you've got to remember you know most boards um, especially in the community sector which is my uh, main level of experience they're voluntary and often they lack the skills to undertake the tasks that are assigned to them I worked with a range of disability service boards before and some of them were run by parents of clients who really lacked the skills to do what a board needed to do to manage the finances to make tough decisions because it was very much about what their child wanted and needed and not so much what would help the service survive. And I've seen services go under simply because of the lack of skills at a board level, because I don't think they realize how fiscally responsible and personally responsible they are, especially when they're a funded service. I've seen boards be completely hands-off and I've seen those be completely hands-on. And in both cases, for a CEO, this is very difficult because board members do not have the day-to-day understanding of what happens on the ground and therefore lack the understanding to make the decisions, especially if they are too hands-on. And what that means is that boards need to know they have a manager or a CEO that they can trust and someone that they can allow to do their job because I've seen too often where boards have been way too involved. Another downside of being a manager is the isolation that the top job gives you. A psychopathic loner, that would be perfect. I think you'd you'd thrive if you're a psychopathic loner. Definitely worth getting into management or being a CEO because it is very isolating and you do have to keep a professional distance from the people that you manage so that you can make the right decisions and aren't influenced by the emotion and allowing that to get in the way of decisions that sometimes need to be made. I think the best recommendation that I can give, although it is very isolating, I think it's about connecting with the right people so that you have good support, both internal and external. As a CEO, this means that internally, 
Your best levels of support are probably the other senior or management staff, if you have any, and also the board of management or the board of governance who should be supporting your role as much as possible to allow you to do your job. The other thing that I've found really useful is to have a network of people. And for me, that was a network of really strong, independent women who encouraged and supported me through thick and thin when I was in a role that I felt isolated in, when I was in a management role that isolated me from the people I was working with, both in the board and on the staff. You know, my external support networks were fantastic. And if any of you are listening today, you, you would know who you are. And for me, it was it was seriously a team of really strong women who I would call on and have a coffee with and just debrief or even talk about the good things as well. And that is just so important. And I can't stress that enough. If you're getting into management, making sure that you have those key networks. And if you don't have those in personal relationships, then sometimes it is about paying for them. And I think that's fine too. Um, And certainly as part of my work as a principal consultant, I want to be able to deliver some of that support to people so that they do have that interactive support. And I'm not talking about professional supervision so any one in the community sector out there would understand what that means and that is more about practice I'm talking about people who can happily say to you that is actually really shit as people that are happy to say to you no that's not okay you don't need someone that sits there and just reflects everything you say back to you you do still need people that are willing to buy into where you're at and sit there with you and be emotional with you because I think that is important as well. So having both personal and professional support is really key to ensuring you survive as a manager. I'm just going to cover those again in terms of what I talked about. So pros were, you know, the challenge, the money, the status, the ego, the power. Um, And the cons were certainly the stress and carrying the weight of decisions, feeling isolated and always being on. And really it's about finding ways to combat these issues you need to look after yourself both mentally and physically you need to look after your own well-being people say this to parents is that if you don't look after yourself you can't be there for your children and management is much the same if you are not mentally physically focused enough to do your job then you cannot be there to support your staff if you're struggling they're going to struggle as well you need to be in the best position to make the right decisions to lead your team you need to look after you so you can look after others you know it's like being on a plane they say you know fit your own life jacket before you fit that of your child you're in charge you're leading you're steering the ship and if you curl up in the fetal position crying and rocking you're gonna run into something (laughs) the boat's gonna hit a rock it's gonna be like the sinking titanic so make sure you fit your own oxygen mask before you fit that of your staff and one of the big things i see in management is lunch breaks set a good example by taking a lunch break it is something so simple that so many managers do and that is miss lunch many managers don't take lunch And I know when I did take lunch, I used to feel really guilty. I didn't initially, but after time went by and people were busy and I saw my staff weren't taking lunch breaks as much as I insisted. If I took a lunch break, it made me feel guilty. But I think it's about pushing that kind of self-care for your staff and leading by example. 
go for a walk, get away from your computer. Life is way too short to die hunched over your keyboard because you died simultaneously of a heart attack, dehydration and starvation. That is pretty much where I think I was heading if I stayed in management. I'd forget to go to the toilet, I'd forget to drink, I'd forget to eat. So I hope that was helpful for you and I'd like to finish off by touching on an article that I read recently from the Forbes magazine. And I really encourage you, um, if you're a manager, to follow both Forbes magazine and the Harvard Business Review, which I've started following and reading articles on online. Um, You can see, I think it's up to six articles a month, maybe, um, without subscribing. So you can get some of that stuff for free. And, And they often upload a lot to LinkedIn and Facebook. So they're worth looking at. And this article in particular talks about the seven qualities that make a great manager effective. Um, It was published on the 26th of January, 2016, and it was written by Marion Hogan from the Red Branch Media in Iowa, USA. Um, So Marion, if you're listening, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but I wanted to make sure I acknowledged your work. And the title was The Seven Qualities That Make Great Managers So Effective. So the first one was they love the company culture. This includes them liking, you know, unique things about the organization or the company and they get invested in that. They become a part of that organization and the kind of culture that it breeds. And in most cases, that should be a positive culture. They should contribute to that positive culture. And they're constantly looking at ways to make the company better and help the staff appreciate their jobs more. The second quality was their positivity is contagious. And I think that's so key. I love cracking jokes around the office and being really positive because I think even if you're feeling like shit, I think that being positive is contagious. And I think you set an example as the leader to keep the staff positive, be solution focused, have a really positive attitude and make work fun. The third quality is they can sustain focus. So as a manager, you need to be able to prioritize. You need to be able to focus for extended periods of time and manage multiple projects at once. Now, this is probably the one quality in this article that I went, "Mm, that's probably why I struggled. Not because I can't prioritize or sustain focus. Since having breast cancer, I am on medication and I struggle to focus because of that. So I think that for me was certainly something that really limited my ability to focus and stay on task. So you have to be someone that is very driven and very focused and doesn't get distracted easily. The fourth quality is that they lead with their head and their heart. And this is something I truly believe in that, yes, you need to make decisions that are right, that aren't entirely focused on just business, but also focused on some level of emotion and empathy for employees. I think that's so important. And as a manager, that's how I like to manage. You have to have empathy for the people and that report to you for the people that are driving your business. But you also need to sometimes make decisions aside from that. So it's about having a proper balance and the best managers are able to weigh that up. They're able to be emotionally intelligent and they have the ability to lead their employees and guide them with understanding and understand both the personal and professional struggles of the people that work for them to ensure that they feel supported and cared about and valued by them by their leader or by their manager good managers are also honest honesty is certainly one of my very 
positive traits. I couldn't lie to save my life, which at times has got me into a little bit of trouble because I do like to be honest. I don't care how bad things are. I think if you're not honest with your employees, they're going to pick up on it. I think you need to be able to be upfront with your employees and give them the information that they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. Sometimes the truth hurts, but it's the only way your team will grow. And that's a direct quote from the article. And I like that immensely because it is. Honesty is the only way forward. And I think it's the same with life. You can't get anywhere unless you're honest. So number six is they take accountability. Again, this is something that I know I did do well, that I took responsibility and a manager needs to be able to take responsibility. They can't blame other people all the time. They need to be someone that that owns up when they do make a mistake and take responsibility for things they do do wrong and foster a culture of accountability. That is so important. And number seven, they're effective at making decisions. The best managers make decisions with the wealth of information in a short amount of time and they get the best results from their team. You've got to be able to make decisions quickly, especially in a crisis. That is so important. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Marion Hogan from this article. And she says, the best managers are hard to come by and with good reason, they have the emotional intelligence, honesty and hold their team to the same performance and accountability standards that they hold themselves to. So true. I've always believed that as a manager, you should not expect your staff to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. If you ask your staff to scrub the toilet, then you need to be willing to scrub that toilet too. That creates a level of integrity and a level of appreciation, both them for you and you for them. And that is so critical. Well, that's all I have time for you today. Thanks so much for listening. And if you do want to know more about Little Things Consulting, please go to www.littlethingsconsulting.com.au and follow the links to all my social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr, Podbean. This podcast is on Podbean, Apple. Oh my God, I must be on every bloody social media possible at the moment. So please follow me on all of them. And I really do appreciate you listening. If you do have any questions or comments or you want to recommend a topic, please feel free to contact me via my website or my email, which is info, I-N-F-O, at littlethingsconsulting.com.au. And I'm really excited that this is my second podcast and I look forward to sharing more with you next week. I'm thinking next week I might look at doing... Psychopaths in the Workplace, a topic that is very close to my heart and I have plenty of examples of. So stay tuned for that. Annie, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners? Until next time, Arrivederci. I'm Fiona Gherkin, Principal Consultant from Little Things Consulting.